Shabbat Shalom. Praise God. God is so good. We're picking up our series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're in um, part four, and this is going to be on the gift of prophecy. You know, God is totally invested in who we are, in our success in life, in our happiness. He's not only the creator, he's also the sustainer of everything. He gifts each of us with what we need in order to be who we are, who he's called us to be. And these gifts are an expression of his love for us. He cares about us. He provides and sustains us. Discovering and operating in these gifts are a fundamental part of our relationship and journey with him in this wonderful life that he has given to us. We've been looking at a number of gifts. We're going to pick that up today and jump into this gift, the gift of prophecy. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the first 11 verses, just to give us the framework of what these gifts are and what we're going to talk about today. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of of healings by the same Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing each one individually just as he wills. Now, I, I might have missed a couple gifts there. In the middle of that, I was thinking, where am I? So if I missed a few, you can read them for yourselves. It's a beautiful list of gifts. It's not a definitive or exhaustive list. There's other gifts in other places. And those other places also are not definitive or exhaustive. What that means is there's probably gifts in addition to this that we're not even aware of in terms of what the scriptures say. And that's okay. God is unique, he is creative, and he's a gift giver. He loves to give gifts. Today we're going to look at prophecy. Let's begin with some definitions. Prophecy is simply a message from God. Prophecy is a message that you've received from God, something that he's given to you to share with someone else. Something that he's dropped in your heart or in your mind that he's given to you to share with someone else. It's different than like developing a sermon. I developed a sermon this week. 
it's a message from God in some sense. And I worked on it, put that together, collaborated with the Holy Spirit to do that. That's not the same as the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is a much, much shorter, tighter message that's specifically given by God to you to give to someone else, someone else who needs to hear those words in order to rescue them or deliver them from some torment or some disappointment or whatever it might be. Um, But it's designed to be given to someone else. And so it's a message from God given to you. I've talked about this earlier. I want to repeat it. He gives us gifts that are meant for others. So we receive a gift in order to give it to someone in need. Isn't that amazing that God wants to share that experience with us? He says it's more blessed to give than to receive. I used to disagree in my younger years. I used to say, no, 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 no. I just want to receive, right? Yeah, until I discovered the power of giving to others, to be able to give and meet someone else's need and to see their faces and how it changes them. And I thought to myself, yeah, it is. It's more blessed to give than even to receive. And receiving's a, a beautiful blessing as well. So God says, this is so fun. I want you to participate with me. So I'm going to give you the gift to give to someone else so that you can be a giver, not just a receiver. So you can experience the thrill of being able to give something to someone that is meaningful, that can change their lives. So he invites us by his spirit to do that. We're a community and he meets the needs of the community through the community. Sometimes he himself intervenes and meets those needs. Other times, he uses us to meet those needs. Aren't you glad you're part of a community? You know, life's too hard to live alone. Try to figure out how to do things alone. Try to live life on your own terms. It's overwhelming at times to be a part of a community of people filled with the Holy Spirit that are loving each other and encouraging each other, holding on to each other, sustaining you when you can't sustain yourself. Yeah, how much is that worth? You know, try, try to do that on your own. It just doesn't work. So this is a beautiful opportunity that God has given us to be part of community and to live our lives together and to meet our needs together. It's amazing. It's an amazing community, not a perfect community. This is not a perfect community. You will be let down at times. You will be angered at times. You will be offended at times. But so what? Sometimes you're offensive. Sometimes you're angry. Yeah, so it all works out. We're going to love and grow and forgive each other as we move further and deeper into community. The second part of the definition is the word prophesy. We have prophecy and to prophesy. And to prophesy means to give a message from God. The gift of prophecy is receiving the message, and then what do you do with that? You give it away. How do you do that? By prophesying. You speak the message. That's what it means to prophesy, to speak forth the message of God on God's behalf. Now, you hear this probably in different circles, but people will start it out with, thus saith the Lord. Why did they say, thus saith the Lord? Have you ever heard? Raise your hand if you ever had someone come up to you and say, thus saith the Lord, and then give you a message. How many? Yeah. That's always kind of weird, huh? It's like, what is going on, you know? 
Do we have any mental health counselors in the building? So, uh, you know, what that person is trying to communicate is it's not their message. They're trying to say they got something from God to give to you. Now, there's a much better way to say that, by the way. We try to teach our community how to do that better. A better way to say that is, you know, I was praying for you, and I just sensed the Father, you know, uh, wanted me to say this to you. I just sensed that God has given this to me to share with you, and I'm going to share it in my own words, you know. I hope it blesses you. That's a much better way to do that. You won't freak people out. But that's it. Especially if you speak King James vernacular. Thus saith the Lord, thou shalt be on a boat this week. You know, the King James stuff is going to definitely be a problem. So, not that I'm mad at the king. It's just that we're not living in the 16th century. If that's even a correct century. I'm on a rabbit trail. Let me come back. So we're called to give the message on behalf of God. And there's a lot that goes into that. These, these gifts are designed to be unpacked and then practiced. And then you get better and better and better at it. Okay? So, so there's a lot that goes into this that I'm not, you know, sharing with you today. It's, it's you know, we, we used to teach a 12-week course on just the gift of prophecy. So I'm just taking some of the high points of that in just one, you know, short teaching. So if you have a lot more questions after I'm done than when we started, that's okay. Take our 12-week course if we offer it this year. So 1 Corinthians 14.1. I'm going to read actually the first five verses. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. You can take that down. I'm sorry, I'm not at the slide yet, but thank you. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. So that's our passage. Let's unpack it. Let's go back to verse number one, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Pray that you receive the gift to prophesy. Ask God, sign up, say like Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me. There's nothing more thrilling than receiving a message from God to give to someone else in need. It's a very powerful experience for everyone involved. Paul starts this off, pursue love first, though. Before you desire spiritual gifts, before you ask for spiritual gifts, before you start moving in spiritual gifts, first, pursue love. Why is that? Why is that? Because God is love. That's where it all begins. 
Everything begins from that, from that basis. It's the baseline. It's why God created in the first place. He created because he's love, and the nature of love is to create in his image, his likeness, and then to give everything that he has to you and me, whom he's created in his image. That's love. It desires to pour itself out. And Paul's saying, before you do anything, pursue love. Before you dabble in the gifts, receive the love of God. Swim in the love of God. Embrace the love of God. That's the baseline. Without the love of God, none of this works. If you and I don't experience the love of God and we can't transmit the love of God, it's time to pack it up and go home. So many of us, me included in times past, pursued the gifts and forgot about the love. And even though we might have been able to move in the gifts, not many of us were very effective because without love, people aren't going to receive what we have to give them. You know, we tend to keep our hearts kind of closed or our walls up unless we're convinced that the person who's ministering or wanting to give us something actually is concerned about us, actually cares about us, right? Walls up. No, if I know that you love and you're after my well-being, I'm more apt to drop the wall and let you in. Yeah, that's the nature of love. It's so important that we capture, cultivate the love of God, loving ourselves, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself, how are you going to love your neighbor? If you don't like yourself, you're not going to like other people. So the first thing you got to do is say, God, you say you're love and that you love me. Help me to know that. Help me to experience that. And help me to love myself because I don't really love myself. You know, I'm not pleased with myself. I'm disappointed in myself. I'm frustrated with myself. I'm angry for a variety of reasons. Yeah, allow God in to teach you how to love yourself, how to forgive yourself. So many times we, we make a mistake, we sin, we do something, right? And then we hang ourselves with that over and over and over, reminding ourselves of what we've done or did not do. And God's saying, if you don't forgive yourself, how will you forgive others? So the journey begins with encountering the love of God, experiencing the love of God, and then loving yourself, forgiving yourself, getting right with yourself, learning to like yourself. There's been times in my past where I didn't like myself. And when I'm in those places, I don't like other people, or it's really hard to. But when I come to that place of loving myself and being good with myself by the grace of God. Oh my gosh, I'm a happy guy. It's like people just want to be around me all of a sudden. You know, it's amazing. It starts with the love of God. Pursue love. You got to pursue it. You got to run after it. You got to hold on to it. You got to refresh yourself through spiritual disciplines, daily prayers, being in the word, talking with God. And allow that love just to flow in you, becoming a vessel of love for God. He goes on to say, and we'll look probably at 
1 Corinthians 13 in the future, maybe at the end of this series, to kind of put a bow on this series. Because it is. It's all about love. You've got to get that right. But it goes on to say, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. I want to say that life's exciting with spiritual gifts. You know, these gifts are manifestations of God's presence in our relationships. And without the manifestations of God's presence, life is boring, right? I mean, if all there is is the natural realm, if that's all there is is Darwin's worldview of the natural realm and we're just beasts, more highly evolved than, you know, cows and dogs and cats, but nonetheless, beasts. How exciting is that? You know, boring. It's the mundane. But if we're also spiritual, made in the image of God, and God is wanting to interact in the natural, he's wanting to bring heaven and earth together, he's wanting to manifest spiritually in our lives, that gets exciting. The unknown penetrating the known. That's exciting. So these gifts are really manifestations of God's presence with us. And that's why we want to pursue them. Like I said before, God is a great giver. He loves giving gifts. So pray, as Paul says, pray earnestly that you may prophesy. For Paul, this was a big deal. He says, this is one of the gifts that everyone should pursue. He's saying, hey, don't forget this one. To his community, don't forget this one, because this one has a high impact on the collective group, on the community. It brings life to others. To prophesy simply means to speak on God's behalf a message from him of hope, comfort, and encouragement. How many people need that? How many of us need that? How many of us need that on an ongoing basis, right? Life's hard. We need help. We need hope. We need encouragement. It fosters faith. It brings us out of those dark places. It brings light into darkness, life into places of death. This is why we seek the gifts, especially to prophesy. 28 years ago, I took the reins of the harvest. Craig Hale, our founding pastor, was leaving, and, and uh, he had hired me uh, to take his place and to lead the harvest back to its roots. He was already, you know, stirring the church back into Messianic Judaism, the roots of our faith. And he gave the reins to Don and I. Uh, he was moving into an international ministry, and he knew we would take this church where he believed God was taking it. So we took the reins. I was young. I had hair. I was full of life and full of vigor and vision and all that kind of stuff, right? Chomping at the bit. And so I took that position to lead this community. Now, that position was an internship. My first year, I was interim pastor, being interned as a senior pastor. And so it was provisional. I could be dismissed for any reason or no reason at all. 
by Craig Hill. He says, you got one year internship here, you know, and, you know, we're going to meet on a regular basis and we're going to see how you're doing. And, you know, now you got to kind of, you know, demonstrate that you are called to do this and this is the right choice. So one year. And then after that year, if you pass the mustard, then you're in. So here I am in my first year. And it was really, really, really uh, just like the height of, of everything. It was like my highest point being ordained in front of the community, you know? Um, and, and, and so like everything's like way up here. And then all of a sudden, a week later, you know, I'm going to speak for the first time as the interim pastor or the intern senior pastor. And I noticed half the people didn't show up. I'm thinking, what's up with that? You know, where'd they go? I, 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 you know, I was new to the community. I don't know, maybe I couldn't figure it out. Maybe there's a conference, I don't know. Week after week, yeah, they never came back. See, when Craig left, they left. Half the community left. I thought, boy, that isn't good. Got to turn that around right away. But I knew I could because I was proud and young and full of myself. So I pressed on and things got worse. After a while, more people were leaving. We brought that thing down to like, it, you know, it was like, it was like just a couple families. It was like 20 people, 25 people. We were in a facility that could sit 1,500. And I'm thinking, oh boy, I don't know if I can meet with Craig Hill anymore. I don't know if I can meet with him because every time I meet with them, it's like, how's it going? Hey, great, I've lost five more families. You know, if the game is bringing this down to zero, man, I'm like, give me a Super Bowl ring. Things were getting worse and worse. People are leaving. We're down to hardly anybody. I remember the worship team. That was the Lord's family. They'd be sitting there, you know. Then they'd come up. They'd lead worship for me and Don and a couple other people. It's frightening. And then he would come off the stage, and me and Don would go up to do some things. And I thought, wow, this is kind of weird. It's like two families here. We'll preach to you if you lead us in worship. It wasn't quite that bad, but it was down low in numbers. And I was really super discouraged. I inherited a staff, and, uh, and we had you know, some momentum in, in terms of staff. Uh, but now all that was kind of getting pretty bad. In fact, we had to not only make extreme budget cuts and shut down ministries, one of our key staff members left to get another job because we cut everyone's wages, including my own. I took the same cuts as everyone else. We just said, hey, let's buckle up. Let's make sure we pay our debts. In order to do that, we're going to have to shut down some ministries, make some budget cuts, and take wage cuts on top of it. So we did that. So things were pretty grim. I had two other staff members, actually more than that, but two of the remaining staff members kind of collaborated to move me out. They knew I was in my first year. They didn't like where we were going with this whole Sabbath, festivals, dietary. They, they just thought, man, that's just crazy. We got to save the church. We got, we got to get it back on track. So one of these staff people, one of these key leaders, core leaders uh, in, in uh, our church, in fact, this person was actually not a paid staff member, but was a non-paid staff member, but a core leader in the group. This person started making up lies about 
how I was leading and what I was doing in the church. I didn't know it, but she was going to the senior pastor or the, uh, the, pre- the founding pastor and telling them things that I was doing that I wasn't doing, making up lies. In, in the end, she finally got in a lot of trouble and was exposed and then came clean. But, but she just said, you know, I just felt like I had to save the church, and the only way to save the church was to get Mark removed. I knew we had to like get him out so that we could turn the church back to what it always was. So I made these things up, and I lied. Now, at the time, it looks like what she was saying was true. And because she was a core leader, she had some credibility. And so Craig's thinking, Mark, what are you doing? You know, I'm hearing all this stuff. What's going on? You know, and he's holding that close to his chest, you know. But yeah, this is like, wow, it's getting pretty bad. And I didn't realize how bad it was. But I was down to that place where I was thinking to myself, you know, I think I should resign. I had meetings with our elders and said, look, I think I, think I, I need to step down. I think I need to quit. You know, I even, I even was quite emotional, you know, and broken up, uh, kind of coming to an end of myself anyway, which that was part of the process of what God needed to do. But nonetheless, I'm thinking, you know what, I, I, need to, I need to just give this up before I'm fired, you know, right? You know, you've been in jobs before where, you know, it's looking like, you know, I'm going to get fired. So what do you do? Resign first. If you can resign first, then you're not fired. And then that always looks a little bit better on the resume, right? So I'm thinking to myself, I, I think I need to resign because I think I'm going to be let go of anyway. So there I am in a big funk, pretty much at the end of myself. Looks like an utter failure in my first year. Someone talks me into going to a conference down in Colorado Springs. So I went to this charismatic conference uh, down there, and uh, it was one of the breakout sessions. They were doing extended worship, and people are just worshiping and walking around, and everyone's just caught up in the worship. And I remember just being there in a big funk, you know, just kind of looking at all the joyous people. And uh, as I'm doing that, I see this little tiny lady, just small, tiny lady, and she is twirling and dancing, and she's so happy, and she's laughing at times so hysterically. She has to stop. She's almost falling over, and she's like, just, just, and then she's up dancing again, and, and I'm thinking, what is wrong with her? You know, she's like out of control, and all of a sudden, she like sees me. I'm like, I'm like, from here to the middle of the sanctuary, she kind of like looks at me, I kind of look, look away like, oh my gosh, we made, we made eye contact, you know? And sure enough, she starts, you know, making her way to me, and she's like walking like this, she's kind of staggering and making her, I'm thinking, oh no, she's coming towards me, and she looks drunk, she's swaggering, what is up with this lady? And I'm thinking, man, I'm looking around for the exit, you know, I'm thinking, I got to get out of here, but it's too late, she's locked on to me, making her way up to where I am, and I thought, okay, okay, don't judge the messenger. (laughs) Mark, don't do that. Just hold on, because maybe it's God, and maybe God has a message for me, and I really need something, because I'm at the end, right? So sure enough, she comes up to me. She stands in front of me, and she's just swaying, and she's looking at me. She kind of laughs a little bit. I'm thinking, okay, okay. And then I noticed on her beautiful flowered dress, 
a slug of snot that she blew out when she was laughing earlier, about the size of a caterpillar. And I, I can't stop looking at it. I'm thinking, oh my gosh. I'm thinking, does she know that? Does she know that? Because, you know, I really want to kind of maybe help her and get a napkin or something. But I'm thinking, no, don't judge the messenger. You know, just leave her alone. Just ignore that. You know, it's a test. So I thought, all right, just kind of wait and uh, see what she's going to do. And sure enough, she spoke to me. And she said this. Thus saith the Lord, he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I've put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Then she says, when you deal with prophetic words, the job is to give what God has given. Don't interpret it. Don't, don't, don't mix up the message with trying to qualify what it means. You can qualify what it means, but you want to do that as separate from what you've given as from the Lord. And she was mature enough in her gifting that she knew that. So she gave me the word of the Lord, and she says, and this is what I think God's saying. And then she kind of put in her own words what she thinks that God was saying. She says, you think it's over. Now, she doesn't know me from Adam. She has no idea what I'm going through. She says, you think it's over, but it's not. In fact, it's just the beginning, and nobody can take this from you. Nobody. God has opened the door, and no man can shut it. So take courage. Fear not. The Lord is with you. Now go. Lead on. And then she turned and kind of, you know, swaggered away, laughing at times, dancing at times. And I thought, man, it looks like Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins has been smoking something, you know? But she moved away just as she came in. And I, I was changed in that moment, in that encounter, from feeling like a failure on the brink of being dismissed from my senior pastor intern position to feeling like Clark Kent in a phone booth taking off my shirt and seeing the big S right there planted on my chest and realizing I'm Superman. I mean, I felt like, I felt, I did. I know that's kind of funny. You got to be old enough to know who Clark Kent is, right? But I'm telling you right now, I was so changed. I, I, felt, I felt unstoppable. I felt like that was God. He was speaking to me. I know that was God, and I know everything's going to be all right. And even though I got tough times, and it's going to take years to rebuild, God's in it. I'm the man, and he's going to see me through. And no one, no one is going to take my job. And that played out. She, she, she did a number of things, and, and then that whole thing got exposed, and then God did a work in that, and, and it, it was amazing all that happened. And not only was that turned around to where that was exposed, but I, like, got promoted out of that. In, in that whole exchange with Craig and, and her and what had happened, 
everything turned and like I was so empowered by Craig and, 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 and really kind of like um, given the approval and good job, you've passed a really big test here and you're on the right track. I just felt like, wow, this is going to happen. I can put all this behind me and go forward into all these challenges knowing this is God. He's called me and no one can take that away. It was amazing. So liberating in every way. That was a prophetic word. That was a gift, a message from God given to this little lady that saw me and knew that's the one I'm supposed to give it to. And she had no idea who I was and what I was going through. That's how the gift of prophecy works. So, let me just kind of share some words about application here. I didn't get down to my other passages. Hey, I'm just going to read those through really quick. You can flow with me with the slides, and then we'll make some final comments. Verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. We'll talk about tongues in the next couple of weeks. Verse 3. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation. I think I got all three in that one message, by the way. I think I got all, all three of those dynamics set into motion that day she spoke to me. Verse 4. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. She didn't know it, but that word that she gave me from God would not only build me up, it would flow through me and be the very thing that would bring the church together under my leadership. It would bless the entire community. 1 Corinthians 14.5, now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. The way the gift works for those that are newer is that sometimes God will just give you um, a verse or some words of encouragement that just kind of drop into your heart, or drop into your mind, you know, and, and, and in, in such a way that you're just sensing, yeah, that's weird, that's a little abrupt, and where'd that come from type thing. That's usually a message from God for someone else. And what you want to do with that is you want to say, who is that for? Father, are you wanting to give that to someone? Are you wanting to encourage someone? And then just to wait on him. And as you look around and you're shaking hands, you're going around talking to people in the service or whatever, you know, if you just have like this prompting to share it with Brother Joe or Sister Ann or whatever, you know, if you follow that, go up and say, hey, I think I have a word for you. Don't go up and say, thus saith the Lord, because if you're wrong, you're really going to look foolish. Just say, hey, you know what? I, say, I, I sense I may have a word for you. That way, if you're wrong, it's okay. And say, and just give them that word, whatever the word is. And then after you give it to them, say, does that mean anything to you? And if they look at you and say, no, that doesn't really mean anything to me. Hey, thanks. Thanks. And that's all right. That's called experience. You're practicing. You're learning, right? Don't, don't be surprised. There, there's times where someone will say, no, that didn't really mean anything to me. And then two weeks later, they're like, oh, my gosh, you won't believe how that word came to pass. And, you know, they just couldn't see it at the time. Other times, they'll know it right away. And then you'll know right away that you hit it. 
And by practicing over and over and over, you build a database for that gift and you start to get really good at, at knowing when, when God's given you something and who to give it to. That's how that works. So in closing, seek God's gifts. Tell him sincerely that you desire whatever he wants to give you. Father, I'm open. You just, whatever you want to give me, help me to recognize it. Help me to unpack it. Show me how to give it away. I'm interested in your gifts. Seek him, ask him, pursue him for his gifts, and especially that you might prophesy. And remember the parameters, always the parameters of the gift of prophecy is edification, consolation, and exhortation. That's the parameters. Don't you ever go up to anyone and say, you know what? I see dead people. I see dead people everywhere around you. I don't care if you think that's from the Lord or not. I don't care if the Lord spoke to you in an audible voice and told you to go do that. Chances are he didn't. You misunderstood him and don't go doing that. Those are the parameters. It's got to encourage them. Now, that doesn't mean that he might show you something that could be quite disturbing about someone else. But that's in order to pray for them, not to give to them if it's not going to build them up, if it's not going to encourage them, if it's not going to comfort them, then shut your pie hole. Keep it shut. Hold it. Pray over it. Because our job is to build each other up, not tear each other down. We're here to build people, encourage people. The world will do its job in tearing down. We're going to do the job of repairing and building up. Hallelujah. Your doctor has a medical practice. Thank God for that. You have a healing practice. Go and practice. Shabbat Shalom.